When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening? Thanks for joining me. As always, it is much appreciated on this hump day. The quarterback conversation isn't going away. There's lots of concern from some people out there, Patriots fans. They're saying, look, the third quarterback, the third quarterback never works out in a draft. It's way too risky. How can you actually pick the third quarterback in the first round? They're not ready for the quarterback yet, Nick. You need to surround the quarterback with tons of talent before you invest in that position. Why don't you pick the sure thing? Why don't you go out there and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. the third? Everybody knows. Everybody knows that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a can't-miss wide receiver. One, he could be a top 10 receiver in the NFL this season. Way too risky to pick a quarterback at number three. Is it? We're going to look into that question today because I have my own thoughts and I feel strongly, strongly about my opinion on this. We'll dive into it in a minute. But first, what are people saying? Ian Rappaport on the NFL Network yesterday said, quote, if the Patriots think one of these guys is their quarterback of the future, they're not trading and they're going to take him. And that's that. Now, this Bruce Feldman excerpt from The Athletic could scare you if you're a Patriots fan in looking at quarterback at number three. This was written about a month ago, January 26th. Here's what Feldman wrote. The hit rate of first-round quarterbacks that live up to NFL teams' expectations, stunningly low. If you start with quarterbacks drafted between 2000 and 2020, it nets out to about one in three working out for those franchises. It's about a 67% chance of blowing the pick if you pick a quarterback in the first round. This conversation, like many conversations we have nowadays, it needs context. And I did lots of research before I popped this microphone on today to talk about this very topic. We'll get into that research that I did, looking back at 20 NFL drafts from 2003 to 2022, dig into the numbers and see what those drafts tell us about picking the third quarterback in the draft. Before we get into that, my number one option, and I've said this from day one, my number one option, and I don't think there's a close number two, if you love the quarterback at number three, you draft the quarterback at number three. 10 times out of 10, 20 out of 20, 100 out of 100. If you love that quarterback at three, you pick the quarterback. It's the most important position in football. Some would argue it's the most important position in all of sports. If you have a top eight NFL quarterback, it gives you the best shot at consistently competing in the league. And we're not talking about sliding in one year and having some good luck, some good fortune. We're talking about consistently year in and year out. 
winning 10, 11, 12 games, battling for the top two seeds in the conference. To have a top eight quarterback is your best pathway of doing that. Some people assume the miss. I understand. Some would argue it's a coin flip, Nick. It's 50-50. Yeah, you could hit on the quarterback, but what if you miss? I keep hearing that. What if they miss? What if they miss? What if Drake May is not good enough? What if Jaden Daniels isn't good enough? What happens if you take that big swing at the quarterback position and you actually swing and miss at number three? Why are we assuming the miss? Why do we assume that if you draft the quarterback at number three, that you're going to miss, it's going to set you on a path of destruction over the next five or six years? Here's my question to the people that ask, what if you miss? What if you hit? What if you draft the quarterback at number three and you hit on that pick? Then what? Then what's the conversation? Here's another question for you, for the people who wonder, what if you miss at number three? If you take a quarterback there, what if you miss on taking the stud? What if you swing and miss because you didn't take the swing at the quarterback position and you swung at a tackle or a receiver? What if Jaden Daniels ends up becoming a top five quarterback in the league and you didn't take Jaden Daniels because you were afraid of the odds? You were afraid of the numbers. What happens if Drake May becomes an absolute freaking stud, but you decided to not take the quarterback because you were afraid of taking the third quarterback in a draft? Then what? Then what happens? Then what is the conversation? There have been 67 quarterbacks that have started a Super Bowl, 67 of them. 19.4% of those quarterbacks have been number one overall picks. Over 19% of the quarterbacks that have started throughout Super Bowl history were drafted in the first round. Nope, first round, one overall. Over 50%, over 50% of those 67 quarterbacks that have started a Super Bowl have been drafted in the first round. So over 19% have been taken first round number one overall. Over 50% of all the quarterbacks that have started a Super Bowl have been drafted in the first round. What does that tell you? It tells you that the odds are much higher of you getting to a Super Bowl when you have a first-round quarterback versus any other option. It doesn't mean you can't get to the Super Bowl with Mr. Irrelevant. We just saw that with Brock Purdy. It doesn't mean you can't get to the Super Bowl with the greatest of all time who happened to be a sixth-round pick. But if we're talking about odds, we're talking about chances, we're talking about percentages, you have a better than 19% chance of having your quarterback start a Super Bowl if that quarterback is number one overall, and you have a 50.7% chance of your quarterback starting a Super Bowl if that quarterback was taken in the first round. Elliot Wolf, Elliot Wolf told us this yesterday. Here was what Wolf said on the importance of quarterbacks. When you look throughout the league, most of the quarterbacks are first-rounders. There are exceptions to be had. He mentioned Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. But I think the league-wide understanding of how important that position is and to have someone to help you get over the hump has changed league-wide. So Elliot Wolf, the guy who is going to call the shot, he's going to make the final decision. He told us that yesterday. He told us 
during that same press conference. Hey, look, look around the league. The vast majority of quarterbacks are first-round picks. The, the, the jury's out. If you want the best chance of drafting a quarterback that can take you to the promised land, that chance is in the first round. And there's no denying that. Kent Lee Platt of the Pro Football Network, he posted this about a week or two ago. Hit rate refers to Pro Bowls, but we see almost the exact same trend using other metrics for success. Most tight ends drafted in the first round make the Pro Bowl at least once in their career, as do most interior offensive linemen. Quarterback is right there in the middle, along with rushers and linebackers. Bottom of the pack are wide receivers and tackles, both high-value positions. So, many people out there would tell you to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. because he's a wide receiver and you have a better probability of hitting on that wide receiver than a quarterback. Others would tell you to draft an offensive tackle because offensive tackle hits more. That's not necessarily true. Quarterbacks are right in the middle of the pack when you look at those guys drafted in the first round who ended up being pro bowlers. Quarterbacks, 69, have been chosen in the first round. 29 have been pro bowlers during this period that Lee Platt looked at. It's a 42% hit rate. You don't want to know positions that have hit less than quarterback? Strong safety, cornerback, defensive end, defensive tackle, offensive tackle, wide receiver. When you look at periods of time, they would tell you that recently quarterbacks hit more when they're taken in the first round than strong safeties, cornerbacks, edges, defensive tackles, offensive tackles, and wide receivers. That's what the numbers tell us. More thoughts on this. Don't forget, we have a Patreon page that is launching on March 11th. That is a week from this coming Monday. It's not going to impact this podcast. It's going to be bonus content. A lot of people say, hey, Nick, I want more Red Sox talk, Bruins talk, Celtics talk. We'll have some of that on the Patreon page. There's going to be some things that are written. There's going to be more interaction between you and I. It's going to be a small monthly fee. I'm not asking for a billion dollars. It's just to help continue this podcast by finding a revenue stream in other ways. So Patreon page launches on 311. You want to look out for that. I'll have more details next week. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up as we've discussed. More thumbs means more eyeballs. Take a second of your time if you're watching, listening, if you enjoy what we do here, if you want the alternative to what you hear a lot of out there in the New England sports talk ether. You can see us, you can listen to us, and you can interact with us. Like, comment, and subscribe. We're under 200 subscriptions away from our 2,250 subscriber goal by the week of free agency, which is about 10 days away. So don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Apple Pods and Spotify. All right, before I move on here with more talk about the quarterback and whether or not the Patriots should fear taking one at number three because I have a lot more in the chamber, King Cato jumps in with a super chat. Thank you, King Cato. Of course, you can jump the front of the line and uh, make sure that you get your comment or question heard and read by sending a super chat. You jump to the front of the line, and you also contribute to the show financially. King Cato says, are the Patriots currently divided between Kraft guys and Belichick guys, or is that how they're trying to make it look to keep the team in the media? No, King Cato, I don't think they're split. 
I think anybody who was a Belichick loyalist, the vast majority of those guys are gone. And, and I think that the people that are working with this program, they're here because Gerard Mayo trusts them. Now, you might have some question about Matt Groh because Matt Groh certainly reported as a Belichick loyalist. But Elliot Wolf's the one calling the shots. As far as the narrative, you know, I, I made a couple of posts this morning at Nick C Radio, if you want to follow me, at Nick C Radio on Twitter slash X. I don't agree with the people that have said, oh, all they've done is take shots. I'm tired of them taking shots at Bill. I don't think explaining or describing what makes you different than the prior regime is taking shots at that regime. Now, could they have, you know, paid deference to Bill Belichick? Yeah, they could have. They could have been a little bit more glowing as far as the prior regime and their culture. But then people, the same people that are complaining about the Patriots taking shots, quote unquote, at Belichick in the prior regime, those same people would tell you if they were up there, you know, giving all sorts of credit to Belichick and praising Belichick, those same people would say, well, why did you move on from Belichick if the culture was so great? You can't have it both ways. And I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that many people would handle it that way. So I don't think it's taking a shot at Belichick or what happened in prior years. If you go out there and you say, this is how we're different. This is how things are going to change, especially when you're trying to pitch to free agents, which was precisely what Elliot Wolf was doing yesterday. He was asked about how he would pitch free agents, what he would say to free agents about the culture. And if you're pitching free agents that thought that this environment wasn't great for them, was too hard-ass for them, then what are you going to pitch those guys that you're trying to sign? You're going to pitch them that, hey, we're not hard-asses anymore. We understand the current athlete. I don't take that as a shot. King Cato back with a $10 super chat. Looked at the cons as written by the media before looking at the quarterbacks as a whole. Media really makes this class look like they're all too risky to go before the first pick of round three. Thoughts? Well, I, I think the vast majority of people that have written about the quarterbacks, I think they actually said, King Cato, that the top three guys are the top three guys. You know, that Jaden Daniels, Drake May, and Caleb Williams are a different tier. Now, there has been some talk about J.J. McCarthy. Personally, I would not be comfortable drafting J.J. McCarthy in the top 10 or 15 of this draft. I just haven't seen him do it enough on the field. Michigan did not ask him to do a lot. Is that because he couldn't do a lot or because they just didn't want him to do a lot? He's going to test very well. He's a strong arm, smart guy, great intangibles. He's won a bunch of games, high school and college level. But I haven't seen McCarthy do the types of things consistently on the field that you've seen Drake May, Caleb Williams, and Jaden Daniels do. And it might be unfair to McCarthy. But if, if I'm making that pick in the top 10, not swinging. You know, Michael Penix is another guy we've talked about. Penix, what does the medical say? If I'm drafting Penix, I might draft him late in the first round or early in the second round if his medicals check out. But I'm not won over by Penix enough to draft him in the top 10. So thanks to King Cato again. You can send your super chats to jump to the front of the line. And uh, don't forget. That also contributes financially to the program. Give us a thumbs up, like, comment, and subscribe, rate, and review. Spotify, 
Apple Pods. All right, let's get back to the quarterback question. Number three, is it too risky? If you tell me that drafting a quarterback at number three is too risky, my question is, what's your plan B? And again, the premise is that you love the quarterback at number three. I am not suggesting the Patriots should reach for a quarterback at number three. I think that's dumb. I don't even think the Patriots should draft a guy at number three if they just like him. I've said it on prior podcasts. If you're drafting a quarterback at number three, this is a marriage. This is a marriage. You're not dating this person. You have to be head over heels in love with the quarterback if you're taking him at number three. That should always be the premise, so let's get that out of the way. But if you're not going to draft a quarterback at number three, then what is your plan B? Is your plan B to hope that a quarterback in the second, third, or fourth round works out? That you'll find the next Dak Prescott? That you'll find the next Brock Purdy? That you'll find the next Tom Brady? What is your plan B? To throw a bunch of darts in the fifth to seventh rounds? Is that what you're looking at? The future is not guaranteed, folks. If you don't take a quarterback that you love at number three, there is simply no guarantee that a year down the road, three years down the road, five years down the road, there is no guarantee that that quarterback is going to be sitting there waiting for you, that you're going to be able to acquire a quarterback down the road that is actually going to hit. And I would also say this, if you don't draft a quarterback at number three that you love this draft, people say, well, Nick, then you can invest picks And when you're in a better spot and your team is more talented, you can take those picks and you can trade up for your quarterback that you want. What happens if you miss when you do that? Is it better to take the swing and miss at the number three pick right now, or is it better to swing and miss at a top five pick three years from now when you make the kind of trade that the Niners made for Trey Lance? The Niners fell out of a tree and landed on their feet by drafting Brock Purdy as Mr. Irrelevant. That was a lottery ticket that cashed big time for them. But that's not always going to happen. It's just not always going to happen. Shooter McGavin says, plan B, take assets to move back into the first for Penix. If that's the route you want to go, that's more reasonable than wait until next year, wait until down the road, take a guy in the the second in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth, seventh round. But again, I would say this, there's a reason why Penix is going to fall. It doesn't mean he's going to absolutely stink, but there are reasons. And I would also argue that, you know, there are reasons, there are risks with Michael Penix. We're talking about a guy who tore his ACL not once but twice, had two serious shoulder injuries that ended his college season. He's not great at throwing the football to the middle of the field. He has issues facing pressure. So now you're going to give up assets to move up to draft Michael Penix, who has as many questions, if not more, than the guy you can get at three. You inevitably need a quarterback. That's the point. You inevitably need a quarterback. If you have the number three pick like the Patriots have, and you love the quarterback that is there, then why in the blue hell would you ever kick the can down the road when you are not guaranteed to find that next quarterback down that road? You need a quarterback. You either get the quarterback now or you get the quarterback later. 
What would you rather do? Take the quarterback now that you love at number three or say, hopefully we figure it out down the road. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a favorite. What is Marvin Harrison Jr. with a middling quarterback? Harrison is unbelievably talented, could be special, could one day be the best wide receiver in the NFL, could be. What is he with a crap-ass quarterback? What is he with mediocrity at that position? Calvin Johnson was a freak among freaks. That dude was amazing. Remind me how Calvin Johnson did. Remind me what Devontae Adams has done in Vegas since he left Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Some would argue that Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football. Remind me what he's done since he went to Vegas to cash in and got stuck with Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr and Aiden O'Connell. Has Adams made the Raiders a winner? Not the last time I checked, and there's countless others. It's not an indictment on Marvin Harrison Jr. It's not questioning Marvin Harrison Jr.'s talent. It's the importance of the position and the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. needs somebody who's good to throw him the football. Or else you're not going to win a damn thing. It's easier to find that number one receiver than it is to find that number one quarterback. That's fact. It's been proven a billion times. That might be a little bit of hyperbole. <laughs> People say, look, Marvin Harrison Jr. sure fire. It's all relatively speaking, isn't it? Like Marvin Harrison Jr. is Daniel Jeremiah's number two guy overall as far as prospects go. But Jeremiah also has 12 wide receivers in the top 50. 12. The fact is, Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, those guys are seen as surefire number one wide receivers as well. May and Daniels, if you're wondering, Daniel Jeremiah has them at five and six, respectively, in his top 50. All right, so you know. This pod, we dig deep, we provide context. I studied every draft from 2003 to 2022 because last year is way too early to say that guy is a home run, that guy is a swing and a miss bust. So I looked at drafts from 2003 to 2022. What did we find with our research? This is the good stuff. It's coming up. But first, I remind you, Patreon page starts March 11th, a week from this Monday. Bonus content, not going to impact this daily pod, not going to impact the work I do with Greg Bedard. If you like what we do, if you love what we do, we will start a Patreon page. It will launch on March 11th. Be on the lookout for that. More details as far as what that content is going to be next week. Don't forget as well, as you chill with me on this hump day, to give us that like, to comment, and to subscribe. Every single like counts. I know I ask for it all the time, but I'm telling you, that's how this YouTube algorithm works. If you appreciate this alternative, if you've heard people say, oh man, I, I just want to hear something different from Boston Sports Talk, then tell those people about this place. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Don't forget to comment. Don't forget to subscribe. This is how we build this community. If you've been wanting something different, you need to help build something different. And this, I think, is something different. All right. 
drafts 2003 to 2022 quarterback position. Specifically, I looked at third quarterbacks that were taken in each of those drafts and what we could take away. The first thing I'll say, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago and I stand by it. Every draft is different. They're like snowflakes. They're like little snowflakes. Little snowflakes, right? Every draft is different. To look back and say, well, 60% of these quarterbacks didn't work out. 40% of these quarterbacks worked out. This third quarterback didn't work out. It's it's almost impossible to hit on the third quarterback of a draft, yada, yada. It's, it's a fact that every draft is different. Just because the draft back in 2021 when you had five quarterbacks taken in the top 15 picks didn't work out does not necessarily mean that if five quarterbacks were picked in the top 15 of this draft that they weren't going to work out. That's not realistic. Every draft is different. They're all snowflakes. So let's get to the research, shall we? To prove my point about every draft being different, in 2011, Blaine Gabbert was picked third. He was the third quarterback taken, right? He wasn't the third overall pick. He was the third quarterback taken. He was taken at number 10. Jake Locker was taken at number eight. You had Christian Ponder taken at 12. So you had the third quarterback there. Didn't work out for you, okay? Didn't work out whatsoever. You had Andy Dalton picked 35th, interestingly enough. You had Colin Kaepernick 36th, and you had Tyrod Taylor drafted in the sixth round. That draft at the top of the first round, Locker, Ponder, Gabbert, all bad, didn't work. That would be an example of a disaster. But what if this draft, what if this draft is 2017? What if this draft is 2018? In 2017, the third quarterback taken was Deshaun Watson at number 12 overall. Before the off-field stuff, and before him taking football off for like a year or two and the injuries, Deshaun Watson was a top quarterback in the league. He was the third guy at that position taken in 2017. What if this draft is 2018 when Josh Allen was drafted as a third quarterback at number eight? Baker went one, Donald went three, Allen went eight, Lamar Jackson went 32. So there are cases, case after case after case of the third quarterback drafted working out splendidly for that football team. We've seen it. We've absolutely seen it. Just because one year it doesn't work out doesn't mean that every other year it's not going to work out. Roethlisberger in 04, Eli and Phillip Rivers, and then Roethlisberger. In 2006, Jade Cutler was the third quarterback taken. Tremendously talented. Was he a knucklehead? Yeah. He didn't end up working out, but it wasn't because of lack of talent. Vince Young and Matt Leinart were drafted before Jay Cutler in 2006. Ryan Tannehill was picked eighth. He was a third quarterback taken in that draft. Was he great? No. But he was a top 10 to 12 quarterback. Watson, Allen, Justin Herbert in 2020. Was he third quarterback taken? So every draft is different. The 2024 draft, we might look back at it and say, man, that draft was loaded with four or five quarterbacks that were franchise guys. 
We can't tell into the future. We can't do that. All right, here's some more from my research. 70% of the 20 drafts that I looked at had three or more quarterbacks drafted in the first round. What can we learn from those drafts, those 14 drafts that had three or more quarterbacks taken in the first round? Of those 14 drafts, of those 14 third quarterbacks taken, six were hits. So 43% of the time, when there are three or more picks as quarterback in the first round, 43% of the time that third quarterback taken is a hit. Eight were misses, 57% of the time. Now, here's the thing. When matters, it's not just drafting the third quarterback. It's when you take that third quarterback. When you look at the drafts from 2003 to 2022, it tells you that draft position means an awful lot. Your best shot at hitting on the third quarterback taken in the first round. You should not wait until pick 12 or later. You, you, you can't wait on 12 or later. If you want to take the third quarterback in a draft and you want to give your best shot at hitting on that quarterback, the average draft position of the hits was nine. The latest, the latest third quarterback taken in the first round from 03 to 22 that ended up being a hit was Deshaun Watson at number 12. So if you want to take a third quarterback, yes, that third quarterback can end up being very good. We've seen it happen. But if you want to take that third quarterback in the first round, the best chance to hit on that quarterback is drafting that quarterback in the top 10. That's what we've seen. If you wait until later in the first round and take that third quarterback, the likelihood is that quarterback is not going to work out. The average draft position of the first round misses out of those third quarterbacks, right? The average draft position of those first round misses was 18th. Six of the eight misses were drafted 15th or later in the first round. So there's a difference. There's a difference between taking the third quarterback in the draft in the top 10 and the third quarterback in the draft from 11 through 32. We need that context. We need to differentiate those two things. A quarterback that is taken third in the top five has a much higher probability of hitting than the third quarterback taken in the last two-thirds of the draft in that first round. So that's how it works. So if you're if you love a guy at number 3, if you draft the third quarterback at number 3, the recent history would tell us that that gives you the best opportunity to hit on a quarterback, not to trade down and draft the third, you know, quarterback overall at 12 or 13 or 15, not to wait until the second round. If you think there are three quarterbacks in this draft the best opportunity to find that guy and hit on that guy is drafting him in the top nine. And you can push it to 10 if you want to do that. And when I talk about drafts being snowflakes, there was a huge drought. See, a part of this information when we talk about, oh, it's really tough to hit on the third quarterback drafted in a draft, we have to acknowledge that there was a huge drought 
from 2007 to 2016, 10 drafts. In those 10 drafts, there was one hit when you look at the third quarterback taken in the first round. There was one hit, and that was Ryan Tannehill. And again, he wasn't great. But recently, from 2017 to 2022, the third quarterback taken in the first round, you've had three hits out of those, what, six years, right? 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So out of those six drafts, you actually had three hits as far as the third quarterback taken in the first round. Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. So there's ebbs and flows to this. There was a long drought where drafting the third quarterback overall in the first round was a terrible idea. That was 07 to 2016. As the quarterback position has evolved, as evaluation has evolved, we've seen more guys at that position taken third in the first round that have hit. It could be a trend. We don't know. Every draft is different. The most important thing after all of this conversation, after all of this research, don't forget to give us that like, comment, and subscribe, by the way. It's all about the evaluation. It's all about the evaluation. Don't reach. Don't feel like you have to draft a quarterback. The history that I just went over gives you a, a pretty good idea as far as probability, odds, <clears throat> ooh, excuse me, chances, G gives you the, the best idea as far as the numbers go. But it's simple, really, when you boil all of it down. It's if you love the quarterback, if you trust your process, if you trust your evaluation, then take the quarterback. Because the numbers would tell you, the numbers would tell you, that the best opportunity to find that stud is at number three. It's in the first round. Is it a home run every time? Of course not. That's not how it works. That's why the draft is an inexact science. You're going to swing and miss. You can swing and miss at anybody. So we talk about probabilities and chances. You take the swing if you love the guy at quarterback. Because you have a better probability of finding these other positions, these other holes that need to be filled later in the draft. The most important thing about drafting a quarterback is the evaluation, developing that quarterback, giving that quarterback a steady offensive scheme and a good OC, and to surround that quarterback appropriately as that quarterback continues to develop. Don't forget to give us that like. Don't forget to comment. Don't forget to subscribe. Trying to hit uh, 2,250 subscriptions by the week of free agency. Uh, we're under 200 away from that. So again, if, if you're tired of kind of the same old, same old conversation, if you sometimes enjoy context and nuance, if you enjoy an alternate, alternative so looking at some of these things that are being discussed about New England sports teams, this is the place to be. And if we want to grow this, we need to give it that like, that thumbs up. We need to comment. We need to subscribe. I'm going to get into the Celtics in, in a couple of minutes. I have some thoughts off of last night's game. 
Uh, but before I do that, I do want to try to roll through some of these comments. My goodness, uh, shooter and roll pats. They're, they're on a heater. <laughs> they are on an absolute heater right now. Let, let me try to let me try to sift my way through some of those. Uh, Rob D jumps in. Resign Owenu. Sign the best available left tackle. Bring in Mayfield or Cousins. Draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at three. This is a playoff team. Uh, I don't think Mayfield is leaving Tampa Bay. Cousins, I'm not signing. He's 36 coming off of an Achilles, and he's going to want a lot of guaranteed money. I'm out on that idea. Uh, as far as re-signing Awenu, yes, that's part of my plan. I'm good for that. I don't think you're going to go out and sign the best available left tackle. That's probably Tyron Smith from Dallas. I don't think you're going to spend $40 million on the offensive line. So I don't think that's going to happen. I would rather, you know, keep a Wenu. And if you don't love a quarterback, I would much rather uh, move down from three, a few slots and draft an offensive tackle than swing on Marvin Harrison Jr. at number three. And again, that's not a slight to Marvin Harrison Jr. It, it's just the, the wide receiver position is so damn deep. It's so every year it's deep. You can go out and get wide receivers. And a true number one wide receiver doesn't make a team a champion. Tyreek Hill's the best receiver in the game. A lot of people would say Miami first round loss because Tua didn't play well. Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the game, top five, didn't make the playoffs. Minnesota has not won anything with Justin Jefferson. So I just think, you know, when you look at position importance, quarterback is just so far above and beyond any other position. So far. All right, some quick uh, Celtics thoughts. I understand that a lot of us have closeout PTSD is what I call it, and it's fair. It's fair to have that PTSD when watching the Celtics at the end of games. You know, it's fair until they win it all. It's a fair concern when they play the top teams in the league, when they get into a playoff series, playoff basketball is different than regular season basketball. It is completely fair to have concerns about the ability of the Celtics to close out the championship. 100% I'm with you on that. But what we shouldn't do is overlook. What we shouldn't do is overlook other examples of toughness. We fall into this trap when we talk about closing games out, and they're not mentally tough. Last night's game was an example of mental toughness. The 76ers undermanned. Celtics weren't playing great. They were turning the basketball over. Philadelphia makes a run in the fourth quarter. They get within two. At that point, Jason Tatum turned the lights out. Celtics throw a haymaker back and completely KO the 76ers. That's mental toughness. Responding to the Philadelphia run with a huge run of your own in the fourth quarter to put that game away and end up winning by almost 20, that's an example of mental toughness. Slamming that door shut. Tatum flipping the switch. Here's another thing that was great about last night's game. The Celtics made only five threes in that game. They shot 22.7% from three. They adjusted their game. They went 34 for 37 from the free throw line. They responded. They attacked the paint. They said with the matchups, with Philly playing small, we don't have to take 35, 43s tonight. 
We don't have to make 15 to 23s to win this game. We can adjust. And that's what we saw them do. And some people might say, well, Nick, they don't adjust enough. There's this idea that the Celtics can't win games unless they shoot a lot of threes and make a lot of threes. I even heard Grant Hill say that a lot last night. That's not true. That's not true. You might feel that way, but feelings are not facts. When you when you look at how this team has performed and how they've won games, Stuhl Greeny posted this on X this morning. The Celtics are 12-10 and 10 so far when shooting under 35% from three as a team. So again, they're not as good when they don't make threes, but they've still been a winning basketball team this season when they haven't made their threes. You know what they were last year? 15-19 and 19 last season. They were 15-19 and 19 last year. They're 12-10 and 10 this year because they've been adjusting more. They've been posting up more. Kristaps Porzingis has made a huge difference to how this offense runs. This team is much more prepared and has much more talent on it to attack in different ways than they've attacked in the last three or four seasons. It's not guaranteeing wins. Again, it is fair to have concern about their ability to close out games when you get to the championship, when you get to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's a fair concern to have. But we can't treat this team like every other team when we get to the postseason because they have different elements to their roster, namely Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis. So when we talk about mental toughness, we can't always talk about just closeouts. They have closed out a number of games. They have played very well in closeout situations if you look at the numbers, when you look at efficiency. The toughest losses stick with you the longest. That's how this works. But it's an 82-game season. And when you look at how the Celtics have closed a lot of games out, they've done the job. Doesn't mean they're going to do it in the postseason, but they've done the job in the regular season. They've been very good in the final five minutes of games for the most part. They have, they have responded to runs like they did last night against Philly. They have responded after losses. These are all signs of mental toughness. And what we're watching right now, I think we need to appreciate this. I said this at, at, at the All-Star break. We need to appre uh, appreciate how dominant the Celtics have been. I think many people are overlooking this. Joel Klatt, college football analyst, he says, don't get bored with greatness. And right now, regular season-wise, this is one of the greatest Celtics teams that we've ever seen play in the regular season. Doesn't win a championship. I'm not saying put the banner up. I'm not saying cue the duck boats. All I'm saying is this is one of the best teams that we have ever seen on the floor for the Boston Celtics. Up to this point, during this nine-game winning streak, during this winning streak, they are first in the NBA in offensive rating. They're fourth in the NBA in defensive rating. They're first in the NBA in net rating at plus 18 and a half. They are first in the NBA in true shooting percentage. They're 5-0 and at home. They're 4-0 and on the road. This is dominance personified. And I hope that you're enjoying it without being too worried about what might happen in April and in May. Bader, how about this? Big love and support from Saudi Arabia. 
Amazing show. How about Saudi Arabia watching the podcast? I appreciate you, Bader. All the way from Saudi Arabia. Trying to find another one, but all of these uh, all of these responses, by the way, great job from all of you with the comments. Here it is, Sean Jones. At least one guy listening to you from Vancouver Island, Canada. Keep it up. Good work. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. All right, I hope you all appreciated the research. No, it's not too risky to take a quarterback at number three. If you love the guy, take the guy. There have been many examples of a team taking a quarterback as that third quarterback in the first round that have worked out. And many of those examples have been recently. Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Love the guy, take the guy. That's what I would say. Don't forget to like, give us that thumbs up, comment, and subscribe. Trying to hit 2,250 subscriptions by March 1st. We didn't We didn't do that. By free agency. That's when we want to hit the mark. We hit 2,000 by March 1st. We want to hit 2,250 by the week of free agency, which starts on March 11th. Also starting on March 11th, Patreon page. Bonus content will not impact this podcast. We'll continue to do this thing daily but we will add more content on that Patreon page. I'll have more details on that next week. All right, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review. Appreciate you on this hump day. If any news breaks, we'll be back today. If not, we're back tomorrow at 11 a.m. This has been the Nick Cattle Show.